really special series for us, a teaching series right now, um, where we're learning all about the things that are really on our heart, because a series is called You Asked For It. Back in the spring, we handed out a survey, and we let you vote on the kinds of things that you'd like to hear messages on, and it really helps us understand uh, what we're all going through and speak to those things. And so it's been a great series so far. This is the fifth week of it now, and we're going to talk about something that I get, as a pastor, get so many questions about, and that's probably why you asked for it. It's spiritual gifts, and what are those, and how do we use them, and how do we how do we think about them? So it's going to be a great day today. And, it, and as we've done each week in the series, we sat down with someone from our church and uh, who we thought might have this question or have some thoughts on the question and uh, asked them to share a bit with us. So today we're going to hear about uh, spiritual gifts from Lindsay. All right. So if everybody wants to take a seat, we'll hear from her. wife and a mother of two and I just started serving on a team at CFC. No, I haven't. I have actually struggled with trying to figure out what my purpose was. I just put a lot of trust and a lot of prayer into the Lord and I realized that He would give me the guidance that I needed. Yes, I feel like the spiritual gifts are a blessing from the Lord and the skills are something that you learn. I'm not scared to use my gifts because they are a blessing from the Lord and I know I was blessed with those for a reason and um, now I'm able to use those with CFC in the hospitality group that I've joined. It feels great because then I can see others benefit and succeed from my gifts. All right, I'm thankful for Lindsay being willing to do that and for serving, of course, as well. She actually went through the last session of the start class that we just did, and that, that was where she got started getting plugged into the church. So I want to encourage you to stick around for that after the service today. Um, we are talking about spiritual gifts, and um, as I think about being gifted, I can't help but this week think about the NFL because I'm a massive Buffalo Bills fan, as many of you already know. There's no, there's, no, there's no more of you. But I, I stand alone and I stand strong. And I don't know, I was really excited for the football season to start. It actually started on Thursday night because they did a Thursday night game. It was the, the um, Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. And Packers fans, uh, that hurts. I mean, you won, right? Which is good, but it was ugly. I mean, I was all excited for the NFL season. I'm looking for this big divisional shootout between the Packers and the Bears. And it, I got to the game was garbage. It was just terrible from start to finish. It's one of the worst NFL games I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't know about you, I got to think, and I was watching them play badly. And I thought, you know what? I could probably play in the NFL, Jerry. Yeah. Have you ever watched sports like that and you thought, I could do that? Like maybe you're watching golf or football. I was like, I was like, I could totally play in the NFL. I mean, I lack a few things. Size, speed, age. Thanks, that wasn't on my list. <laughs> I think like Morton Anderson played until he was older than me. I lack, I lack toughness. 
That's a problem. And I would say general athleticism. But I don't know if you've ever looked at something like that and you thought, I could do that if I just had that, right? I do that all the time. I could do that, but I lack something. And I think, and truthfully, there's a lot of things we look at in life that we want to do or feel like we should do, but we don't end up doing them because we look at them and we say, you know what? I could do that. I want to do that, but I don't have this. We feel like there is a gap between our ability and our dream. Now, what if I told you, first of all, there is. <laughs> but what if I told you that the God of the universe, the God who created everything that we see and everything that we don't see, knows you personally, has a plan for your life, has things that he wants you to accomplish. And you can accomplish every single one of those things if you're willing. But you are completely incapable of accomplishing them on your own. There is a gap between your ability and God's will for your life. God's purpose for you will require more than your natural abilities. They won't get you there. His will for your life will demand more than the skills you've learned over the years. And his will for your life will, demand, will take you beyond your previous experience. But thankfully, he has a plan for helping us get from the limit of our abilities to the greatness of his will and his plan and his purpose for us. All right, we see some of that. Um, his, one of his good friends, Peter, writes this in 2 Peter. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of, our, of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. Your ability to find and fulfill God's purpose in your life is completely dependent on his power, not your own. It's very important for us to understand that. Enter in scripture the concept of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of them this way, but when I even say spiritual gifts, I'll bet there's a bunch of thoughts that pop into your mind <laughs> because we've all had different kinds of experiences with spiritual gifts and what people call spiritual gifts and how they practice spiritual gifts and how they think about them or talk about them. And it can be very confusing. What are they actually? And I hope that today you're gonna have a lot more clarity by the time that we're done talking than when you came in. So let me start off and read some of the key passages that discuss this idea of spiritual gifts. We're going to start in the book of Romans. Now, both of these passages or sections are going to be written by Paul, who's one of the early church planters and church leaders, and he wrote about half the, the New Testament. Very important to us. And in Romans chapter 12, he's writing to the Christians that are in Rome. In verse, he's starting in verse 6. So this is Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Or actually, I guess I'll start in verse 3. What do we start up here? Heaven and gifts and offering. I'm going to start earlier than that. Okay, I'm going to start in verse three, and then we'll, we'll get to that in a second. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, it becomes clear to us that the reason he's writing this part of this letter to them is because somewhere in the church, people had received spiritual gifts or gifts from God, and they'd gotten a big head about it. 
right? They thought that, that they were hot stuff because they had these particular gifts and other people didn't. And it also appears from what he says here that they were bragging about it and that they were making other people feel like lesser so that they could feel like greater, right? which is not a good thing. Does anybody know what we call someone who does that? A bully. We call them a bully, all right, because they put other people down so that they can be lifted up. And that is what uh, people are apparently doing in the church. He says, no, 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 no. Think of yourself soberly. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. God has dealt each of you individually on purpose. All right, verse four. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So he's saying, listen, don't put down people who have different gifts than you. We're all important to the body, the church body, the body of Christ. All right, and then he gets into more detail, uh, verse six, which you have on the screen. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it with our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. So he's saying we all have important parts of the body. We need to know what they are, and we need to use them. Then when he's writing to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you got Romans 12 and now 1 Corinthians 12, um, starting in verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And then he goes on to talk about this analogy of the body, which he's already introduced. And he says, we're all parts of the body, and you can't have one part of the body telling another part of the body that they don't need them. Like he says, you can't, the, the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Otherwise, how would he hear? And the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. Otherwise, how would he see? My favorite example that I use is that the hand can't say to the stomach, I don't need you because the hand holds the hamburger and the stomach digests it. Or maybe the chicken wing today, right? We, we need all the different parts of our body in order to function properly. And that's what Paul's getting at. He's saying the spirit is giving people all kinds of gifts so that we can function the way that we're supposed to function. But we need to function the way we're supposed to function. And then later he says, um, same chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 through 30, kind of recaps and says, now you're the body of Christ. That's a whole, right? You are together collectively the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that are miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Obviously, right? No. 
Paul drives over and over again the fact that God gives individual gifts for individual purposes and that we need to appreciate what those gifts are and we need to use them in the body of Christ. And we need to use them properly. Now, unfortunately, part of the reason I think when I say spiritual gifts, when, even when at times when I think about it or maybe when you think about it, you kind of get weirded out <laughs> is because I, maybe like you, have often seen spiritual gifts either misused or certain behaviors done and called spiritual gifts that weren't actually spiritual gifts. The, the scripture gives us a really clear understanding of what these things are and what they're supposed to be. I've seen some people in the name of spiritual giftedness um, just act, do some crazy things <laughs> that didn't make any sense at all. Just looked like they had lost their mind. And it always created a real struggle for me personally because I thought, if that's what it looks like to be full of the spirit, then why didn't Jesus act that way? Jesus was for us the example of the perfect indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the perfect relationship with the Holy Spirit. He had nothing between him and God, nothing stopping the Spirit from flowing in his life, yet he seemed to be controlled and calculated at all times, purposeful and missional at all times, not going crazy. So I always struggled with reconciling what I saw people using or saying were spiritual gifts with the life of Christ. There was a real disconnect that existed there for me. And what I've learned is that often spiritual gifts are either misused or they are uh, miscategorized <laughs> what people are doing with them. And so we need to have a, an understanding of what exactly is going on when Scripture talks about a spiritual gift. In order to do that, actually, um, uh, I think that in Romans chapter 12 particularly, there's, there's a few words here. Actually, I'll just give you two to keep it simple. A couple of Greek words that are used, and I think you're going to see a, something interesting that maybe you hadn't known before because not everybody gets into Greek and all of that. And I'm not doing this to prove that I'm smart by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not. I just have resources, and I can look this stuff up, and you can too. All right? <laughs> and I would encourage you, I'm just going to toss this in as, as, as kind of a little piece of advice. Um, if you're looking to study the Bible more in depth, one of the best things that you can do is learn how to do word studies in Scripture. To look at a word that piques your interest and to say, I want to know more about what the original author meant when they used that word. And you can do that very easily now. It used to be you had to have all kinds of resources and books and all this sort of stuff. With the internet, you've got the world at your fingertips. And so I will highly recommend a website called blueletterbible.org. Totally free, and the resources are unbelievable. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they offer it all for free. Uh, they, they, you know, people donate to help cover their costs. But um, you can go in there, blueletterbible.org. You put in the verse that you want to see. It shows you the verse. You click on the verse, and then it shows the, all of the Greek words next to the English translation. You can click on the Greek word. It'll take you to a page just for that word. There's a little button where you can click it, and it'll pronounce it for you, <laughs> assuming they have it right. They'll pronounce it for you. It gives you all the definitions of that word. It shows you everywhere in the Bible that word is used, and you can start to get an even clearer picture of what that word means. And when you understand what that word means, you can better understand understand what the author meant, because we have trouble sometimes translating stuff into English and, and getting it exactly like it needs to be, because Greek and English, you know, it's not like one word translation. All right, there's something that's lost there. But there's two words in particular that I want to show you that they talk about. And the first one, and you'll see this all throughout the New Testament, is the word charis. Charis. I actually had a good friend who named his daughter charis, because charis means grace, Grace is undeserved favor. It's something given but not earned. Can't be earned, wasn't earned, freely given. In fact, all, 
a lot of times in scripture, you'll see the word charis um, translated to grace or gift or even a free gift, depending on the translation. All right, so that's the word charis. Where we get the idea of spiritual gifts is from a very closely related word, charisma. Okay, charisma. Now, you, this term might be familiar to you because um, movements like the charismatic movement adopted this terminology into, into what they do. And um, so that you might be surprised, actually. I, you know, I grew up understanding or knowing the charismatic movement. Some of you who are, who are older than me might already know this, but the charismatic movement is only 50 years old. It's a very recent development in Christianity. But uh, charisma means a grace given. That's what it means. A grace given. So in its very definition, one of the most important things for us to understand is that the gifts that God gives to us the gifts that the Spirit gives to us cannot be earned and they cannot be deserved. They are freely given to us to use. And when you see the term in Scripture, you see the term spiritual gift. That can be a little deceiving because we hear the word spiritual. And again, we have tons of different meanings for that word, right? I mean, all kinds of people can be spiritual, right? He's, he's, I say spiritual and you picture someone with their legs crossed on a mountaintop somewhere, just humming, you know, and waiting for I don't know what. So uh, that's when I say spiritual, you can think of a lot of things. But the, where that comes from in scripture is actually where, um, where the, the spirit's name, which in Greek is pneuma, it starts with a silent P, okay? Panuma. I was it, like pterodactyl, starts with a silent P. Did you know that? Okay, you look shocked. <laughs> what? I've been spelling pterodactyl wrong all this time. And I'm like, why are you spelling pterodactyl? But I was, I was actually on the couch with my son the other day with Jairus. And I said, do you know why people are so scared of pterodactyls? He said, I have no idea. I said, they're terrifying. Thank you for laughing. He didn't laugh. He did not think that was funny. He just looked back at me and he said, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> it's but terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, so pneuma, which means it's the name of the spirit, okay? The, the spirit of God. And so when it says spiritual gifts, it says, it says pneuma charisma, which means, it doesn't mean spiritual gift. I'm, I'm not, when I think of it, I don't think of it that way. I think not just a gift of the spirit, which again, to me, creates this kind of intangible thing. I prefer to say gift from the Spirit. Gift from the Spirit. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual gifts. They are grace gifts from God. Gifts that he gives to you when you need them. And the reason we have access to this is because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we were separated from God because of our sin. We should be separated from God for all of eternity because of our sin. But God in his loving kindness sent his son, Jesus Christ to earth. Jesus died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins so that our sin could be paid for, so we could be right before God, so that we could spend eternity with God. And Jesus was taken off of the cross, put into the tomb, and he rose again on the third day, proving he has power over sin and over death. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we believe that he died for us, to save us from our sins, then God sends the Holy Spirit to fill us and he is with us. He walks with us every single day. The Bible talks about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. That he lives in, he lives in me and he lives in you if you're a believer and he is walking right next to you. 
and he is ready and willing and able to empower you to do what God wants you to do in your life. And when he does that, when he helps you, that is a gift from the spirit. And it can take on all kinds of forms and it can be really big and mind-blowing and it can also be very small and seem insignificant, but it never is. They are grace gifts from God. All right, so let me talk just for a moment to get some clarity what these gifts are, why, what, how they work. First, the Spirit, if you want to take notes and write some things down, the Spirit gives gifts on purpose. The Spirit gives gifts on purpose. They are not arbitrary. They are purposeful. They are meant to accomplish something, not just to be and just to exist. They are to accomplish something. God has a ministry he wants you to accomplish. And the gifts he's going to give you in order to do that are as unique as the mission he has for you. There's a reason that Paul consistently over and over and over again talks about there being diversities of gifts. He wants to get it through everyone's head. One is not better or worse than another. Some are more effective than others. When he talks about desiring higher gifts or desiring better gifts, he's talking about desiring more effective gifts. Okay, the things that'll accomplish the most for God's kingdom, wanting those things. But we have a variety of them. I think it's important right there in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, he gives, uh, Paul gives three different lists of gifts. There is no one gift that is repeated on all three lists. There is no one gift that's repeated on all three lists of gifts. There are a couple that are repeated on two, but none on all three. The point is, like Paul makes so clear, not everybody has the same gifts. You have what you need to do what God wants you to do. If you're willing to look for them. Because you are not capable and I am not capable of doing what God wants us to do on our own. And spiritual gifts span the gap between our ability and God's calling. I want to just give you a personal example. I can use an example of what's happening right now. Okay. The Spirit gifts me to do this because naturally in and of myself, I would not do this preaching. I am, for those of you that know me well, you know, and this is this shocks people when they get to know me. Um, I am an introvert like you wouldn't believe. Never would have guessed it, right? Some of you are saying that sarcastically. I, I, I am an introvert. If it were up to me, if it were not for, listen, if it were not for my wife and for my children and for my responsibilities here at the church, I would be a hermit. I would live in the woods somewhere. I would have a shop out back and I would probably build furniture and never talk to anybody except the cashier at Lowe's. That would be it. That would, that's the only, I am, I, if, if it's up to me, I just like for it to be quiet. I like to be my myself. And I certainly am not interested or, or, or not interested. I'm not, I don't get excited about conversations. All right. Now don't take that too far and feel like you can't talk to me or anything. Cause I told you the spirit helps me. Okay. The spirit, I've often wondered why. And I, I joke that the reason I'm comfortable standing in front of a bunch of people and talking is that it's one of the few times in my life I'm guaranteed not to get into a conversation you know what I mean? Like nothing really surprising is going to happen. I'm somewhat in control of the whole situation. I've planned what I'm going to say. And so, but that's not really it. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but that's not really it. The reason that I'm able to get up in front of a crowd of people and talk, and, and it honestly it doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, 10 people or a thousand people. The reason that I'm comfortable is because the spirit helps me. 
And I can't take credit for that. And I shouldn't take credit for that. And he has given me that as a gift, the ability to be comfortable and to be bold and to be thoughtful and to be careful about my words and all of those kinds of things. That's a gift that he's given to me and I have to give him credit for that so that I don't get any. And he's gifted me in a lot of other ways to help me make up for my failings, for my shortfalls, because his calling for my life cannot be filled by my own personal ability. And so what he does is he empowers me and he helps me. And so every time I'm getting ready to get in front of a group of people, whether it's again, 10 people or a thousand, I always have to ask spirit, help me. And he always does. God has a mission for you that is different than whatever his mission is for me. But he will give you everything you need in order to accomplish that if you're looking for it and if you're willing. Gifts are given if and when we need them. I used to really struggle to understand what my spiritual gifts were. And I've learned that the reason I struggled is because I kept sitting back and saying, God, What are my gifts? What are my gifts? And I wouldn't move until I knew what they were. But the reality is I found this to be true in my life, and maybe you found it to be true, that God gives you gifts when you need them. And the reason that I didn't know what my gifts were was because I never let myself be in a position to need them. I was always in positions that I was comfortable with. I was always in positions where I was, where I, where I was in control. I was always in positions where I felt like my abilities could take me 100% of the way. And because I was only allowing myself to be in those kinds of positions, I was never in a position to receive the gifts of the Spirit because I never needed them. Think about it. Let me give you an example. The gift of, I'm going to talk about this for just a second without going too far into it, but the gift of speaking in tongues is mentioned in two of these sections. Now, there's a lot of debate about the gift of speaking in tongues. I, like, I'm not going to get into the middle of that one, okay? Here's what I know. I know that God is able to give you anything he wants at any time he wants to accomplish his purposes. So whatever that is, it is. When you look at the, uh, I'm not going to discount any gift, any gift we see in scripture, because I'm not going to limit God's ability to empower us to do something. That would be foolish. But you look at the actual, the, the first place that this idea is talked about is in Acts chapter 2. And it's talked about a little differently later in the scripture. But the first time we see people speak in tongues, it's not a heavenly language. It's actually human language. God supernaturally gave them the ability to speak in the languages of foreigners who were in town so they could preach the gospel in a language that person would understand. And all of a sudden they could speak that language and that person could understand them and they proclaimed the gospel to them and they accepted Christ as their savior. It was a supernatural gift. And I might think, well, God, why have you never given me the ability to speak in another language? I tried French in middle school. It didn't go well. You know what? I don't know why I took French. That was dumb. But I should have taken Spanish or Chinese or something. But Mandarin, I don't know. But uh, I, I, why haven't you ever given me that gift? Well, because I don't know a bunch of people who, who speak other languages. Like maybe if I picked up and got in an airplane and flew to, you know, Uganda and I, and I started talking, maybe if I put myself in that situation, God would give me that gift because I need that gift in that scenario, but he's not going to give me that gift because I'm in Salisbury. Everybody speaks a version of English, <laughs> whatever Southern dialect that may be, right? 
He gives us gifts as we need them in the situation. I've had situations where I walked into a conversation and I said, I have no idea how to, how, to, how to help this person. I've never been through what they're going through. So spirit, I need you to help me. And I walked out feeling like with this weird kind of high feeling, honestly, where I was like, what just happened? I honestly don't even know what I said, but it was the right thing to say. I believe that's a gift that the spirit gave to me. Sometimes I think that the spirit gives us gifts over our life. I mean, he kind of puts it on tap for us. So that gift is available for us whenever we need it. And other times he gives us gifts one time because we need it right then. You know, if, if I don't know, if one of those people in, in the book of Acts all of a sudden started speaking Somali, you know, I don't know what all languages they spoke then, but, but let's say they just started speaking Somali because there was a Somalian man there that, that he preached to. Then I don't know that he had that ability to speak Somali on Wednesday. Probably not. I think he had that gift for that moment when he needed it, and then it was gone. And the Spirit will do that with us. But he only does it when we need it. When God needs us to have that in order to accomplish his will. So sometimes we need to put ourselves in a position to need him. We need to step outside of where we're comfortable and do something that we know is beyond our ability. To put ourselves in a situation that we know we're not prepared for. I heard a phrase a long time ago. It's sort of become a cliche Christian phrase, but I think there's truth to it. That God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, which I don't think relieves us of our responsibility to prepare for God's calling in our life or to work hard, but... The point is that God, will, if you step in faith to do it, God will give you what you need in order to accomplish it. All right, sometimes it's lifelong. Sometimes it's in the moment. All right, he gives us, he gives us gifts. The Spirit gives gifts on purpose. The second piece of this is that he gives us gifts on purpose for the church's benefit. For the church's benefit. Now, uh, that may be the benefit of the church that exists, or it may be the benefit of the expansion of the church through sharing the gospel. But it is for the church's benefit. And Paul says that over and over and over again. It's the reason that he uses the analogy of the body. And he said, if you recall, he said, So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the spirit that's given to us, let us use them. They are supposed to be used in the function of the body. And the body helps itself and the body grows. And so spiritual gifts are supposed to be used for that. He also said, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Spiritual gifts are not just for your benefit. More importantly, they are for the benefit of the church. They are for the benefit of the cause of Christ. We are all part of the body and we are all needed in the body. And so we need to perform our function. And I just want to ask you as directly as I can, do you feel you are performing your function in the body of Christ? I don't think it's, it's true here, but I've certainly been a part of churches in the past that felt like they had a whole bunch of appendixes. You know what I mean? Like they were in the body, but not so much doing much for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm thankful that, well, I, I'll just tell you, and I tell, I tell pastors this when I talk to them and they always ask me about our church. And one of the things I always say is, I'll tell you, we got a church full of workers. I can tell you that much, man, they serve and they work hard 
diligently week in and week out. I've never been a part of such a committed group of people. And it's an honor to be a part of this body that I believe is functioning really well, particularly for only being a two-year-old. Okay, we're just, we're barely toddlers. <laughs> we're barely a toddler and we're still functioning so well. We have so many great teams and uh, God gives gifts in order for us to fulfill those roles. I was thinking about it this morning because I, I rolled in here at 5.30 this morning. I was up at four, which is, it's just not smart. It's not a good idea. And, um, but we have a whole team of people that show up here at 5.30 to set this whole church up. And everybody who comes to set up for the first time always says the same thing about halfway through. I never had any idea it was this much work. <laughs> yeah, it's a ton of work. I mean, you just, just in this room alone, you look around and, you know, somebody had to put each one of those sections of trust up here together, right? There are, what are there? 10 or 12 sections of trust and they have to link. We have to disconnect all of those every single week. The lights that are up here, most of them are hidden behind the TVs, but every wire has to be connected together. Somebody had to put the legs down on the crank stand so it was stable so that this could be lifted up and they had to crank it up and they had to run power and they had to run cables all to the, to the drums and someone had to set up the soundboard and crank up the, the camera and put the confidence monitor in the back so we don't forget the words to the songs. Just so you know that's back there, we're cheating. All right, so they're back there so we don't forget. And, and somebody had to put up all the pipe and drape and raise those up and then, and then, and then zhuzh the curtains just so that there aren't big clumps all over the place and make sure that they look really good. That's a word. Zhuzh is a word. You had to zhuzh the curtains and, and put down the stage and link them together and put them in just the right order and put pads under the feet so that we don't scratch the floors and, and to set up the lights and to do it in such a way that they don't fall down on you. And uh, oh, so many things that had to be done. And they show up at four or 5.30 every single week to do it week in and week out, dedicated and committed. And I, I ask him the same question every single time. The first time someone shows up, one of the, one of the latest people to uh, start serving was, was Mark and um, showed up and I asked him the first question. I said, are you up this early every day? And he's like, yep, I am. <laughs> and I thought, oh, the Lord has given you a gift. <laughs> you know, I actually, and seriously, every time, it's funny. If you asked me to wake up at four o'clock on a Tuesday, never going to happen. There's just not even a chance, all right? But every Sunday morning at four o'clock, my alarm goes up, off, and I'm up. I'm awake, and I don't want to overplay it, but that's not natural for me. That's a gift from the Spirit. He wakes me up. And it can be, listen, gifts of the Spirit can be small things or they can be huge things, right? But every time that he empowers us to do something we can't do on our own or won't do on our own is when he gives us a grace gift, and that is for the benefit of the church. So we need to use them. So he gives us gifts on purpose for the church's benefit and most importantly, for God's glory. He gives us gifts for God's glory. The Spirit does not give us gifts for our own glory. He does not gift us so that everybody can know our name. He doesn't gift us so that we can get credit. He doesn't gift us so that people can look at us and say, oh, how spiritual is that person? And this is frankly the area where I've seen gifts misused so much. Where people take the spiritual gifts and they use them to draw attention to themselves rather than drawing attention to God. I was um, caught, a, I don't know how you even search for this on YouTube at this point, but I watched a YouTube video once. And it was of a service and it was clearly, you know, people were, 
doing interesting things. Um, and I try not to discount anything because the spirit can move and do things in people that he doesn't do in me. And, uh, but I was, this one thing happened and this is why it was on YouTube. It looked like it was like a security camera in the back of the church, which puzzled me, but, um, it was like a security camera, but this guy ran up on stage and he took off his suit jacket and just started swinging it around <laughs> like that. I mean, swinging it. And I was like, okay, I mean, it's a bit much, but again, I don't want to discount what the spirit might be doing in someone. Okay. But, but sweet, that's a bit much. And then he chucked it out into the crowd, like a rock star throwing a pick, you know, uh, during the show, chucked it in the crowd, turned tail, ran and dove into the baptistry, the pool at the back. And all I could think when I was watching, and again, I don't want to judge him, but, but boy, I was like, I don't see how that's bringing any glory to God. I feel like it's probably bringing a lot of attention to him and his wet clothes the rest of the day. Spiritual gifts are supposed to be to bring glory to God. They're supposed to divert attention away from us, not towards us. So when you're asking God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to take a step of faith? Where do you want me to step in and help? Where do you want me to serve? And then trusting him to empower you at the same time you make, need to make a commitment to him that when I do this and when we're successful and when amazing things happen, you are getting all of the glory for this, not me. And I know it feels a little bit when someone says, oh, you did such a good job on blank. It feels a little cliche to be like, oh, it wasn't me, it was God. But in all seriousness, that's how we should be reacting. Not false humility, but saying, thank you. It was, really, it was really an honor to do it. The Spirit empowered me to do it. And man, it was awesome. It was really cool. It was really great. And you'll find that when you take steps of faith like this and you step into it, that you'll find the Spirit doing amazing things. Like you may not, maybe you can look, what you can do is you can look at where God has brought you to this point. The abilities he's given you the passions he's given you, the experiences you give, he's given you, those are like, those help you set trajectory, okay? That's God pointing you in the right direction, even though you know you can't hit the target on your own. He uses those things to point you in the right direction. And so you say, okay, you know, I love kids. I've always loved kids. Maybe I even have some educational experience and I get this. And so, you know what? I really want to serve the kids at Carolina Family Church. So you talk to Jess or you talk to Marie and you say, I really want to get in there and I want to serve. And, they, and, the, and she puts you in and at first you're a little bit scared because you're thinking, I don't know. <laughs> These kids, they ask weird questions and they're probably judging me for being old and I'm gonna say something trying to be cool and it's not gonna be cool. And so you're really afraid. And so you step in and all of a sudden you make a connection with the child and you're able to ask them questions and lead them down a path of conversation that makes a real difference in their life. And you realize the spirit helped guide me and lead me to do that, not me. And when you see him work, I'm telling you, it gives you a, a feeling of power and smallness all at the same time. Like you, you realize that with the spirit, how much you can accomplish in God's name for his glory and that without him, how little you can. And so I wanna encourage you to take a step of faith. If we wanna see his power, we have to ask for it and put ourselves in a position to need it. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter Chapter four, he said, each one has received a gift. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As you've received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace, charis of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God or 
as God's voice. If anyone ministers, let him do it with, his, with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So listen, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith so that you can experience the gifts of the Spirit. So I want to say a couple of prayers. And uh, normally I would just kind of pray and and free flow through it. But I want to say a couple of um, prayers that you could repeat to yourself as a commitment. The first one is a prayer to accept Christ as your Savior if you've never done that before. To believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sin and that he rose again. And the second prayer is going to be for all of us who want to experience the power of the Spirit and to follow what God's calling and purpose is for our life. All right, so let's pray. If you're believing in Christ for the first time today, believing in the saving power of Jesus on the cross, I would encourage you just as, as words of affirmation, it's your belief that saves you, but, but as words of affirmation to say, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus for me. I believe that he died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe that he rose again on the third day. And I'm accepting that gift by faith today. I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit so that I can be and do all that you want me to be and do so that I can live the kind of life you designed for me to live. Not only now, but forever. And God, for all of us that want to make um, a commitment to you, to follow your will, and to be filled and empowered by the Spirit, we pray this. God, I believe that you have filled me with your Spirit. And I believe that you have a plan for my life. So show me what step of faith you want me to take. And as I take that step of faith, empower me by the Spirit so that I can accomplish your purpose for me. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.